seated. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the power of words. Oh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Monica. I'm part of the lead team here at the church, and I just want to thank you all for for coming out this morning in the cold, and even to those that are joining us online, thank you for joining us, and uh, we really, really appreciate you. So we've been talking about the power of words and how incredibly powerful they are. The Bible says that the power of, that words have the power of life and death. And so last week we spoke about thank you, which is fitting, right? Because Thanksgiving was last week, and so this week we are going to give you an opportunity to physically show gratitude just for how blessed you are. And so every year, we as a church, we sponsor about five orphanages in Mexico. And so we commit to give each and every one of those kids a pair of shoes. And most of these kids, this is the only pair of shoes that they'll have for the entire year. Um, so we have a giving tree. Outside, when you walked in, there's a big tree that looks about half-filled. That's so that you can reach the actual ornaments. Uh, some other people call this an angel tree. We thought of putting Pastor Angel's head on it, but I thought, you know, it might be a little bit sacrilegious. So <clears throat> we didn't do that. But so the red little shirts on there are for the orphanage in Mexico. So you can either take one of those and buy a pair of shoes, or you can pay $50 and we'll go and we'll buy a pair of shoes for, for the kids. Uh, we, are, we also, on an annual basis, we sponsored the Joe P. Senior Center here in Greeley. And so the little blue shirts are for, for Joe P. And we usually give them a $50 gift card and some cookies, and we go and we visit them. That is so important for them. And so we as a church, we think that's important to take care of, you know, our elderly. And we have decided to do an additional thing this year. There is a middle school here in the area that has a lot of impoverished kids. And so we've asked those children to give us a need and a want. And so that's represented by like the little green t-shirts. And you can take one of those and you can either get the need, the want, or both. And we will be delivering those to the school. And that way these kids get a gift for Christmas. And so I think that's just a way that we're able to show our gratitude to God because we are blessed and we just want to bless those that are less fortunate than us and so mosaic i know you guys are a generous church and i really appreciate you you guys are awesome and i thank you for the impact that you make in our community um but with that we are going to talk about i keep wanting to grab the mic it's i'm like no i, I can talk um we're going to talk about what i think is one of the most powerful words in the english language and that word is Sorry. So this is one of the first words that we teach our kids, right? When they're growing up, they take somebody's toy or they hit somebody. What do we tell them? Say sorry, right? Because it is so important in life and society to say sorry. But as we get older, it gets harder and harder to say this word. Why? Because it's a heavy word. And so I think as society, we try and lighten up this word. So instead of being very apologetic, we'll say, well, sorry, sarcastically. Or, you know, Demi Lovato has coined a phrase, sorry, not sorry. Or we'll try and issue a fake apology and say, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
right? We even sing about it. Is it too late now to say sorry? Okay, sorry guys, sorry. There's a reason that my husband sings and I don't because it's not my forte. But it's such an important thing in our lives, not only because it's expected of society, um, but because it is also expected by God. And so in Matthew 5:23 it says, "Therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar and there and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come back and offer your gift." It doesn't say you remember that you have something against someone. It says you remember that you offended someone, that you hurt someone, and that you need to issue an apology. And I think that is so important because God is telling us, you know what? You need to make things vertically correct, and then you're able to make things horizontally correct. And when we make things vertically correct, isn't it so much easier to make things horizontally correct with God because we have that burden lifted off of us. And so when we do that, it brings healing, it brings forgiveness, and it brings reconciliation, not only with each other, but also with God. And so I think out of all of these words that we studied, this is probably the hardest word to get out of our mouths. Like I say thank you all the time. And I say please all the time. But sorry, that almost <clears throat> sorry, that's hard to get out of my mouth. And so there's a there's a show that was on and it probably predates most of you. It predates me too, so I'm not that old. But it was called Happy Days. And there's a character there and his name was Fonzie and he had an incredibly hard time with this word. You know about that Cynthia girl, you were absolutely right. I let a beautiful girl fog my brain. Well, it happens to the best of us. Yeah, but what I really want to say is that I am very, uh, <laughs> Richie, I am sincerely. <laughs> Font, you don't have to say you're sorry. Good, I won't. Isn't that where we want to be most of the time? Like, good, I won't. I don't need to say that. that that's way too hard just to come out of our mouth. But I think we want to take a glimpse, glimpse into the word of sorry. And we find this in Luke 10. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 13. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. In this story, we see two different individuals. So we see the Pharisee, who together with the Sadducees, they were part of a group called the Great Sanhedrin, which was basically like 
a Jewish Supreme Court of that time. And so their responsibility was to interpret the civil and the religious laws. And the Pharisees were basically what you would consider like the biggest political religious group of that time, of the New Testament times. And so they were all about following the law. That's what they did. But they didn't really have like a genuine faith. And so for the common people like you and me, they kind of separated themselves because the common people were unclean, right? And so we see on one end this socially and spiritually elite person. And on the other end, we see this tax collector, right? And tax collectors in the biblical times, they were probably the most hated people in society. Why? Because at this time, the Roman government was over Israel. And so they used to collect taxes from them. And so they used to put certain Jews in charge and they used to have to collect from their own people. That was the tax collectors. And so the Romans didn't pay the tax collectors. They basically told them, you need to take an additional portion for you. So what the tax collectors did was they would take a whole lot more than they should have taken. And so they were seen as one traitors and two thieves because they were dishonest. And so we see that the Pharisee, he stood up to pray. And, you know, that was the usual practice back then. And he was basically telling God all of the things that he didn't do and how good he was, right? So he was like, you know what? I'm not like this other man. So it'd be like nowadays being like, you know what, God? I'm not a thief. At Walmart, I even pay the additional 10 cents so I could get a plastic bag. I'm not a gangbanger. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't even sell the stuff, you know. There you go. And that's legal here, so. I don't curse even when I get cut off in traffic. I'm not a, an adulterer. I'm nothing like this sinner, this tax collector. And then he said he wanted to tell God all of the good stuff about himself. He was like, you know what? Nowadays he'd be like, you know what? I go to church even when it's 15 degrees outside and super cold. I keep my lawn pristine, not like those sinners with all those weeds next door to me. Uh, I serve on three community boards. I donate to the church. The Pharisee, he was basically praying, but he was just praising himself for how good he was, right? And the tax collector, on the other hand, we see him here, he just kept his head down, and he just kept hitting himself. He couldn't even get the words out because of how sorry he was. He knew he was a sinner, and he knew that he needed God to forgive him. And so what we see here is that the tax collector, he didn't make excuses for his behavior. He owned his behavior. And so I think what we need to do when we're truly sorry is own our behavior. Own the fact that we are apt to make mistakes. The Pharisee, he thought he had it all together, but the tax collector was honest about his flaws, and he took responsibility for his actions. 
honestly, it's super, super easy for us to look at other people's shortcomings, right? But we don't recognize the shortcomings in our own lives. And why is that? It's because we know ourselves. We know our motives. We know our intents. And so we sometimes give ourselves a pass. And so there's a story of, in, Frank, in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it tells about an incident that he had while he was, eh, wrong place, okay, while he was in New York, riding the subway. So I can relate to this because I rode the subway for 20 years in New York. And so when I read the story, it completely made sense to me. So this guy was riding the subway on a Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are not like the normal commute. The normal commute, you are getting pushed into the subway car and you barely have any room to breathe. Sunday mornings, they're a little bit more lax. You usually get a seat. It's a little bit more quiet. The people that are on there are usually going to church or they're uh, sightseeing or they're running chores, that type of things. And so he says that people were basically sitting quietly in the subway car and he was sitting there and a man comes into the car, subway car with his kids and sits ne next to him. Now he clo this, this man closes his eyes and his kids begin to just wreak havoc within the car. They start yelling, they start screaming, they start taking people's newspapers. And the author, uh, Covey, is just watching this, like in dismay, like, what is this? What's happening right now? I expect you to take care of your kids. And so eventually he gets frustrated and he looks over at the guy next to him and he's like, hey, uh, sir, your children are disturbing people. Uh, can you control them a little bit more? And so the man, he opens his eyes, he lifts his head, and he looks over, and he's like, oh, man, I guess you're right. Um, we just came from the hospital, and uh, their mother just died about an hour ago, and so I don't know what to think, and I'm sure they don't know how to handle it either. And so in that moment, Stephen Covey, his whole perception changed, right? All of a sudden, he wasn't irritated that these kids were in his personal space or by what they were doing. All of his irritation vanished. Why? Because he saw the situation from a different perspective. And a lot of times, our hearts are a lot more willing to say sorry when we quit prejudging a situation and we take the time to know another person's situation, right? And so we need to be able to view things from a different perspective and give room to view things from a person's different perspective. To understand somebody else as a human being, I think, is about as close to real forgiveness as one can get. And so I, it, that's so true. Like when we take the time to get to know somebody else's situation, we are able and willing to forgive the situation, to forgive what's going on in their lives, right? And so also we need to own our own stuff in that situation. We need to own what's going on and what we've done and take those steps towards change. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one that confesses and renounces them finds mercy. A lot of times it's easier just to pass the buck on somebody else and say, you know what, it's your fault and blame somebody else for our actions, right? How many kids have you heard of like, well, you know what, my mother, this is the reason I am because my mother. Passing the book, buck, blaming at somebody else. But there has to be a, a point where we quit pointing at everybody else and start pointing at ourselves. Because when we point at somebody else, we have three fingers pointing back at us, right? And so we need to learn how to choose just to, to deal with our own actions and our repercussions. And James 4.17 says, If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't, it is sin for them. And so it's a lot easier to try and be defensive when we know we need to say sorry, right? That is such the easiest thing to do. There's a story that came out a while back of Jamie Foxx, and he made some not-so-kind sentiments. And he said, I know my choice of words have caused offense, and I am sorry. That was never my intent. Now, the thing is this. When you've hurt someone, do they really care what your intention was? Intent is far less important than impact when it comes to apologies. The other person doesn't really care what your intent was. It's the impact that you made on their life, right? And so when we apologize, when we say, you know what my intent was, that's for us. That's not for the other person. And so when we apologize, it has to be about that other person. It really doesn't matter what we care about. So when we can't change unless we decide to just own it. But you know when sorry became super, super powerful? Is when we just decide to to go ahead and say it. Just spew the words. Because when we say sorry, it's a whole different thing than saying I apologize. When I say I apologize for my actions, Doesn't it sound so nice and pristine, but does it really make you feel better? But when we say, I'm sorry, it expresses remorse and regret for what we've done, right? And so a lot of times we like to lessen the, I'm sorry, we like to lessen the apology because it's such a hard thing to get out of our mouth, right? And so we say, I'm sorry, but I was only reacting to what you did. Or I'm sorry if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have done that. Or I'm sorry, you feel this way. There's a lot of things that we can say that are non-apologies when we're trying to apologize. Like relax, it was just a joke. I'm sorry you reacted that way. I'm sorry you reacted that way. Talk about passing the buck, right? You just misunderstood me. It was your fault. It was you. Not me. You misunderstood me. You made me act that way. You 
are overreacting. I'm sorry, but. And it's so much easier. Those words are so easy to come out of the mouth, right? So much easier to use the non-apologies than just being super genuine with our apologies. Benjamin Franklin said, never ruin an apology with an excuse. And so a lot of times we try and use excuses because those are so much easier. And so the tax collector, he didn't put any excuses out there. What did he do? He said, you know what? Have mercy on me, a sinner. He just said it. He put it out there. I think saying sorry, if you haven't had any practice in it, go ahead and get married. Because that will help your situation. So I just celebrated 23 years of marriage yesterday. And I have had some practice saying I'm sorry. So I'm a little bit insensitive in some aspects. And so my husband, he's, he's the worship leader. He's very sensitive to, to God, the things of God, just, you know, whatever, which is good. It makes him amazing. But a lot of times we will get in arguments or maybe I will have done something and he won't tell me anything, but he's just quiet. And so I know. I did something. What did I do? Shoot. I, I don't remember. And so sometimes just to, like, break the silence, I'll be like, hey, babe, so uh, I'm sorry. And he'll be like, okay, well, do you know what you're sorry for? <laughs> I'm like, Shoot, no, I, I, I really don't. Uh, do you want to tell me? Because that way I could really apologize correctly. And I think a lot of times, like this preaching preached to me, because I'm like a lot of times I don't acknowledge or even know what I'm sorry for. And did that sorry help the situation? Did me saying sorry without acknowledging or knowing what I was saying sorry for help him or make him feel any better? No. It made me feel better because I thought, okay, well, let's just get this done with, you know? It was, it's selfish. And when we say sorry, that is not what we want to do. We're not trying to be selfish. We're trying to heal the hurts of somebody else, right? And so when we say sorry, we need to know what we did. We need to acknowledge it. And we need to be repentant for the act and hurt that we've caused to others. That's not easy, right? <laughs> in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so a lot of times we just need to just put it out there and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I acknowledge what I did, and I, I thank you for forgiving me. But sorry is just, it's, so much more than just a word. <sighs> sorry requires action. And that, I think, is probably one of the harder parts of being apologetic or asking for forgiveness is fixing what we've done. And so how many times have we said sorry? We. How many times have we said sorry 
or our kids have said sorry, and then we turn around and do the same thing, or they turn around and do the same thing, right? And so my kids, I love them to death, but they have this, this habit of when they get out of the shower, where their clothes land, that is where they stay. And so I will walk into their bathroom, and I see just piles of clothes all over the floor. And it frustrates me to high heaven. So I've told them over and over again, put your clothes in the hamper. So I even got a hamper, and I put it in their bathroom. Mind you, our laundry room is one room away from their bathroom. So it's not a far walk. But just to try and alleviate the situation, I went ahead and put a hamper in their bathroom. And still, when I walk in there, where are their clothes? Right there, next to the hamper. <sighs> so when I tell them about it, what do they say? They'll be like, sorry, mom. But of course, that doesn't really repair the situation. That doesn't fix the situation, does it? So what would? If they would actually, after they took a bath, took their clothes and put them in the hamper, right? And then next time that they took a shower or a bath, they took their clothes and put them in the hamper. And then they would make it a consistent thing. That would fix the situation, right? Hopefully. We're working on it. Um, but you know what? A lot of times, our mistakes, they can't be undone. We can't undo them. What's already done is done. Like, suppose, okay, I punched Lisa in the face, which I would never do because I love her to death. But suppose I punched Lisa in the face. I can't take that back, right? It's a, whatever's done is done. But what can I do? I could pay for the hospital bill because, you know, I got a punch, just, you know, just saying. <laughs> or I could make a verbal commitment to change. Maybe I need to take some anger management classes. And I can vow that next time we have a disagreement, I deal with it with words rather than physical action, right? I make a vow to change my behavior in the future. There's another story in the Bible which I love, and it's about another tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. Now, this wasn't just any old tax collector. This was the head tax collector. And so, oh, okay. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to, the, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Zacchaeus didn't just say he was sorry. He said he was sorry with his actions. He did something about it. He knew he had robbed people in the past. He knew he had done wrong. And he did whatever he could to repay people for the wrong that he was doing, right? And so a lot of times, 
our sorry can't just be words. Because sometimes, needless to say, words can be empty. But they have to extend to our actions. And so our actions have to correlate with the words that we say. Sorry is owning our behavior and taking responsibility for the outcome or pain that we may have caused another person and then doing what we can to remedy that situation. So today, today maybe there's someone that's in your life that you've been holding back from, that you know that in your heart you need to say sorry. You need to apologize. You need to make that relationship right. And so I urge you today, own your behavior. Own your mistakes. Own whatever you did. And don't put excuses. Don't try and blame anyone else for your actions. Take responsibility for them. And do whatever you can to remedy that situation. Because when we do that, we are truly representing who Jesus is in the life that we show to our friends, to our family, to our brothers, to our sisters. And so just like these two tax collectors found forgiveness when they did what they needed to do, I believe God wants to mend relationships. He wants to restore trust. And he wants to start a path to reconciliation with our friends, with our loved ones. And so I urge you, take that step today. Let's pray. Dear God, I just, I thank you. I thank you, God, that your word just pierces our heart, God. I pray that we wouldn't leave this place the same. I pray that you would help us just to change, that you would help us to reconcile with our loved ones, with those that we have hurt. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that even right now, that you would bring to mind those people that we need to, to speak to. Do a work in our heart today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes in order to say you're sorry and own it, it takes a heart shift. It takes a change in your heart to recognize that you've hurt other people and to have the courage and the bravery to own it and say it and fix it. One way that you can have a heart shift is by welcoming Jesus into your life and changing your life with a relationship with him. So the whole reason Mosaic exists is to connect people with Jesus and help them walk in their faith. And we never like to end a service without giving you the opportunity to do just that. So with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die on a cross for my sins. God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to wash away my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do. Help me to serve you from this day forward. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. There's a QR code behind me. Oh, just kidding. There it is. And then
there's one on the back of your chairs. Uh, if you want to scan that, we just have a little bit of information we want to send you, and we just want to help you and walk alongside you and help you grow in your faith. Um, I just have a couple quick announcements. Uh, first, tonight is worship night at 7 o'clock. It's like a worship party, so I invite you guys to come. It's probably one of my most favorite things that we do here. Just an hour together to just worship the Lord. Um, so 7 o'clock tonight here. Our Refresh Women's Christmas Party is coming up on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. The doors open at 6.45. Um, it's just an hour. It's not a whole night. So please come and just have some fellowship and some time together, women, to um, just refresh and get ready for the crazy holiday season ahead of us. Uh, on next Sunday, Santa will be here. Uh, so if you have little ones, they get to see Santa and um, take free pictures. So if you have friends, bring them to church that day so that their kiddos can see Santa for free. He's my best friend. I love him. Um, on December 6th is our youth reunion Christmas party. So if you've been in youth um, for the last 16 years at any point, please come and enjoy um, some time together so that we can celebrate Christmas uh, and have a fun reunion. Uh, that's all I have for announcements. We're going to go ahead and finish up with our tithe and offering. And like Monica said, our church is such a generous church. And one thing that we do that is impacted right now at this point of our service is we support the cold weather shelter. So you all know how freezing cold it's been the last two days. And we support that by giving people a place to go that's warm and that's safe. So I thank you, Mosaic, for giving and helping us in that area of our city. Can you guys pray with me? Dear God, I just thank you for the hearts of Mosaic, God. Thank you for a generous church. God, thank you that you give us uh, the resources that we need, Lord, to, to be safe and to be warm, and that you've blessed us in so many ways. And God, I just thank you that you give us the opportunity to bless others. Lord, I pray that you take this morning's tithe and offering and you multiply it and use it to advance your kingdom in our city and all over the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we hope you have a great Sunday. Don't forget to grab your ornament on the way out. <laughs>